We were not really prepared that this pandemic will end up as being kind of a full lockdown. It was a very difficult situation. We, we needed to send a lot of people from our company into short work, although actually it was not the case that we had less to do, right? We needed to pivot our model. We need to work on the communication. We needed to help our partners to change. A pivot as we did it will always lead to frustration at certain points. It is about finding the, the right path. If you pivot your product that much, it is a lot about communication and how to make sure that your members know about this change, about this new opportunity. Welcome to Speak Like a CEO. Today, Lena and Oliver talk with Benjamin Roth, co-founder and CEO of Urban Sports Club, a Berlin-based startup that allows you to do your favorite sports when and where you want. After high levels of growth in the past few years, a team of over 500 and a presence in nine countries, the COVID-19 crisis turned the company's business model on its head. Learn all about the digital pivot of Urban Sports Club in this episode and how to turn a crisis into a success. Hello and welcome to Speak Like a CEO, the leading podcast on CEO communications. My name is Lena Carlson and I'm here with Oliver Aust. Hey, Oliver. Hey, Lena. Our guest today is Benjamin Roth. He's the co-founder and CEO of Urban Sports Club. And I'm sure you know Urban Sports Club. It's the largest flat rate sports membership provider in Europe. So if you want to go to a gym, want to go swimming, do yoga, climbing, whatever you want, you have a flat rate fee. And Urban Sports Club provides you with access to all those facilities. Hi, Benjamin. Hi, everyone. Nice to be here. It's super nice to have you on the podcast. And I'm sure it's been a very interesting year for Urban Sports Club. But I want to rewind a few years um, to when Urban Sports Club actually first came out on the scene because it was very much pioneering a new kind of sports and fitness, you know, with different kinds of classes that were exciting and people hadn't really seen before or had access to before. Can you tell us a little bit about how you founded it? Well, it actually all started with my kind of personal interests. So I'm, I'm not the type of guy who's like following just one type of sports every day going, I don't know, for example, to the gym every morning. So I'm, I'm the person who, ne who needs flexibility, variety, who needs to get motivation out of different activities. And um, in, in addition, I also actually lo love to do sports with others. So that motivates me even more than just doing it alone. And, and I was searching for a solution that would help me to get more fit, to get more motivated. And um, I started my first startup uh, focusing just on the on actually on football, so on commercial football venues, and tried to make it easier for people to find teammates and to play football together. So making team sports available every day um, uh, out there, it did, didn't work out that well, but it helped me tremendously to learn more about the sports industry and how people think who organize sports activities and have gyms and studios. And um, in the end, actually, then led to the fact that we created this uh, overarching membership that allows you now to yeah to go to thousands of different sports studios and uh, and clubs. And for me, of course, that is uh, 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 of course a very special and personal benefit that I'm now um, able to to go to a, a yoga studio um, if I'm in the mood for it, or to do outdoor swimming um, if if the weather is nice. So I can find activities that fit to the situation, to the season, to my mood. Um, and I never get bored. Um, and yeah, that was that was uh, the starting point, and actually is, is still the case that I'm also um, a, a frequent user of, of our product. Um, the idea for Urban Sports Club is relatively simple. I believe there have been um, similar companies, and there are still similar companies trying to do the same thing. So, what differentiates you? Uh, what made you the market leader in Europe? I mean, one of, one of our certain advantages was that we were one of the first starting with this product. Um, actually, when we started, we thought we were the, the very first ones and just found out later that there were people 
not so much in the digital space uh, working on, on a similar concept. So aggregating sports activities in a single city and then allowing with a, a single membership to, to access them all. Um, I think what, what sets us apart is um, that we have uh, kind of the widest offering. So we, we're not specialized in just a certain segment, but we rather want to cover all the leisure sports activities um, that, are, that are there in your city. So it goes really broad from water skiing, um, from regular skiing, of course, as well, to then yoga studios, climbing halls, fitness studios. Um, so you name it. Um, so it's, it's something in there for everyone. Um, that, that definitely helped. Um, and then we have, of course, um, the, the major brands also as, as our contract partners because they just saw the benefit out of it, um, which certainly makes our product um, even more attractive. And I think uh, another like very, very uh, important USP is the combination with tech. So everything is, is, used, is, is done using the app, right? So that the app will help you to um, find the right sports, to um, discover something new, to get in touch with friends, um, and also then really to do sports directly at the, at the studios that you, that you want to do, uh, the, where you want to go. Um, and, and there we have um, actually an, um, an advantage uh, towards a lot of our competitors who were coming rather from the kind of plastic card um, times where you were not really uh, working with technology, but rather had a list of, of clubs you could go to and then check in with your plastic card. Do you also think this is a, this is an idea whose time has come in the sense that people want to commit, don't want to commit to say two year gym membership and want more flexibility. So in addition to technology, there's also sort of a change in society where we no longer willing to commit to long periods of time uh, for things like gym memberships, but rather have the flexibility and the choice and try different things. Yes, for sure. I think there are like three major trends that really helped us to, to scale and to, to get in this hyper growth mode. So one, one of them um, certainly is the, the, uh, the drive and the thrive of flexibility that everyone wants to um, decide uh, freely what, what to do the next day and doesn't want to stick to long-term contracts. Um, that, that, that's certainly something that helped us tremendously, especially in the, in the B2C segment. In the B2B segment, we, we, we have a lot of corporate customers, right, where, where the employer subsidizes the sports of the employees. So more than 50% of our members come via this channel. And there the big trend is for employers to, to offer the employees more than just um, a salary, right? So they're looking into benefits and everything connected to health is of a special interest for, for the employer, um, and um, and their sports becomes more and more kind of a commodity, kind of a standard um, to have that as part of the the, um, the benefit scheme for employees. And then the third one is a general trend that um, I don't know. Some people call it healthness, so that everyone actually is looking more and more into um, his own um, health and wants to um, make sure to to stay fit. Um, it is a status symbol, right? To have to have a fit body to to take care of yourself. Um, and their urban sports club, of course, fits perfectly um, into that um, zeitgeist. I definitely agree with your point there that flexibility and variety are kind of the spice of life. And that's what, you know, employees want to offer to their employees as a benefit. That's what people want when they commit to pay something on a monthly basis that they get as much as possible for their money. Um, based on that premise, and I don't want to dwell too much on this, but obviously this year has given us a lot of uncertainty and variety in the form of Corona. 
How did that actually affect Urban Sports Club and your offering? Well, <laughs> that's definitely a fair question in these days. Um, so 2020 was, of course, a very uh, tough year for us. Um, uh, corona also hit us hard um, since all the clubs and so studios, gyms, um, you name it, were, were closed in uh, actually all countries where we operate. And um, we, we needed to shift actually to live classes um, as fast as possible and actually did achieve this within a week. So um, it, it started when in Italy, gyms and, and studios closed. And um, we were then actually creating those live classes together with our studio partners. And they were starting to stream either out of their studios, being there alone or out of their living rooms, um, classes to our members who then could join from home. And um, that actually developed quite nicely uh, over time. So we now have it available in all countries. Um, and um, also in, in the second wave of the lockdown um, in, in, in Germany, for example, we, we were then very much prepared, had live classes from hundreds of, of studios uh, available for our members. And actually, um, since uh, already first lockdown, we also believe that this hybrid model of online um, combined with offline sports will actually stay with us. So we, we started investing quite a bit in, into online sports in 2020 and are doing this this year as well, because we see that the future really will be hybrid, um, meaning that people will work out from, from home as well as uh, in the studios again. And um, we see that trend, of course, not only in sports, but also for, 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 the, for the work that has changed quite tremendously last year. So I think there we, we've learned our lessons. We, we made sure that we survive in, in such a crisis together with our studio partners um, and uh, will continue to, to be in, a, in this kind of hybrid world and hybrid uh, model. But just look back at the timeline before our conversation. And on the 10th of March, you were listed as one of Germany's potential next unicorns. On the 11th of March, the next day, the WHO, the World Health Organization, classified COVID as a pandemic. And then obviously everything you know, broke down and we all had to stay home for a few months. Um, could you speak to sort of the drama of those days back in March when the one that you were hyped up and, and you were rightly seen as you know, on, on a hyper growth path? And just days later, basically everything shut down. And I guess you had to completely recalibrate all your plans for a year and beyond. Yeah, that was definitely a very tough moment. And I need to confess that um, we were not really prepared that this pandemic will end up as being kind of a full lockdown, uh, meaning that all the clubs will, will close. So I definitely still remember that just the weekend before, I was still uh, in Mallorca meeting uh, the most important uh, gym chains of Germany who gathered there for a meeting. Um, so we were there all together and no one at that moment in time, being maybe naive, but like no one expected uh, that just the week after all those uh, gyms and studios will be closed. I think I think no one would have been there <laughs> assuming that because everyone would have rather spent time on preparing. Um, so we we were we were surprised. Uh, it's we, we we saw it in Italy coming, yeah. So that helped a bit, but it, it, it was quite shocking. And um, yeah, you said it. We were in a, in a hyper growth phase. We were hiring every week new people, and our organization was meant to be and planned and organized to be like way bigger than it was in that moment. So we were preparing for for the future growth scenarios. Um, and then this lockdown came in and that was a very tough and hard stop for all the plans, for all the promises we've made. Um, and we, we suddenly like needed to pivot our product completely. We um, needed to make sure 
and and um, that that our people get a new guidance and a new guidelines and know what what we're gonna do now. And um, that was really a tough situation. I need to confess, um, not for the team um, only, but also for for the management. Um, like because like keeping a cool hat in that situation. Um, yeah, what was challenging? Despite all of those challenges, which are very clear. Um, I think that, you know, fitness and health and well-being has become arguably even more important this year to a lot of people, especially people that are, you know, like kind of stuck in their very small apartments all day long and can't really like leave or maybe they're not allowed to like go outside of like that five kilometer radius, which has happened in quite a few countries in Europe. Um, and so people are somehow looking for an alternative to, you know, just sitting on the couch all day, whether that's some kind of online online courses or, you know, yoga with Adrian style videos, which have become super popular. So how do you guys fit into that? And how have you been communicating and trying to communicate how your offer has changed and it's still beneficial and worthwhile for people? Yeah, it's a good question. If you if you pivot your product um, that much, um, it, it is a lot about communication and how to make sure that your members know about this change, about this new opportunity, and, and that this could also be a great alternative to uh, the habits um, that they had before. Um, so what, what we basically did is that uh, our marketing department changed communications um, uh, quite a bit, um, taking videos actually also from our employees being at home, doing sports, um, showing people how this could be, that this might also be a scenario that they could see for them. Um, we had in mind that our, the members that we had at Urban Sports Club, they all signed up for for sports at studios, at the venues, not for sports at home. So that change of habits was 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 quite a big one for them to to learn now to do sports from home, as well as for our trainers and studios who were not used to like stream sports to 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 the living rooms of, of their members, but rather have them all with them in the room. So that change um, like what was a challenge what we did we created of course like specific landing pages we created instagram campaigns um how like how sports at home can be motivating how you still can connect using tools like zoom or, or skype um you see each other you can still get in contact with your trainer um so we actually needed to kind of find ways to promote that concept of a live class um and and doing that online um quite a bit and um we created also, for example, webinars for our studios, um, how to do um, a, a proper live class. So um, it was a lot about communication. And we, we really saw then in the, in the second wave that, that it worked out. Because while in the first wave, uh, most people still decided not to, um, not to join the live classes, but rather go on pause. Um, we see a way higher usage now of, of the live offering um, uh, so for, for the second um, uh, phase of the lockdown. The impact on the fitness sector can hardly be underestimated. I mean, it was so severe and uh, a lot of your partners have been put under enormous pressure. And obviously this, this kind of put you between a rock and a hard place, right? So your partners needed support to survive. And at the same time, your own business was suffering severely. So how did you deal with that situation? Yeah, that, that it's a definitely another very fair question. So um, it, it was a very difficult situation. We, we needed to send a lot of people from our company into short work, although actually it was not the case that we had less to do, right? We needed to pivot our model. We need to work on the communication. We needed to help our partners to, to change. And um, so that was um, a, a tough measure to do, but we also needed to save money, yeah? so just um, <laughs> to, to speak openly. Uh, and um, 
what we did in the end, we we tried to find a kind of the the middle way. So um, in in the first first lockdown, we actually created um, a solidarity fund, um, which which helped our partners to get money independent of uh, their offering. So even a, for example, a builder bouldering venue. Um, would receive money from from us um, during the phase of the lockdown, even though they were not offering live classes. So what we did, we took all the revenues that we received, we um, paid uh, for the live classes uh, to, to the studios. Uh, we then uh, kept twenty percent of it, and the rest of it was sent to our um, partners independently what they were offering, but just based on the check-ins they had uh, in the previous month. So that was one of the subsidies that we created um, together with um, the, the measures that I just was referring to, like webinars and how to do a, a live class and uh, making it ex- making our members accessible for them um, as, as a new audience um, and, and, and making sure that they have revenue streams also during those times. And for our, mem- for our employees, um, of course, uh, short work is better than than letting everyone go. So we were pushing hardly also with our investors that we um, keep the group of people that um, that would need to leave the company as small as possible. Um, and we're rather um, benefiting from the different short working measures in the different countries. Um, and um, yeah, so that that was um, a different different phase. Uh, it was difficult also sometimes to communicate it, for example, to our employees, just why are you giving money to partners if we just desperate, desperately need it? And, and here, of course, it is about communication and making sure that um, people understand why, why we need everyone in, in, the, in this platform approach. We need our partners because they help us to create a product. And of course, we need our employees to make sure that we can deliver that product. Um, and they're finding then the right um, balance uh, was and is still sometimes still um, a challenge. Also, the media narrative changed to some extent, right? So you always the media darling, a fantastic growth story, local heroes, and then European champions. And um, obviously then some of the, let's say, small business owners who, for instance, run yoga studios came out and were, were critical uh, to some extent. Um, so this is a two-part question. One, did that feel unfair to some extent that you were kind of going out of your way to help them and you were still criticized in public? And B, how did you cope with this change in the narrative about the company? Yeah, you're right. Um, I think a, like a pivot as we did it um, will always lead to frustration at certain points. Yeah? You, can't, you can't find ways to make it right and correct and uh, great for everyone. Um, so it is, it, is, it is about finding the... The right path, um, where you like make sure that your company survives, where uh, you also kind of want to make sure that um, that there is a future um, for the whole uh, kind of yeah kind of ecosystem that we have created. And um, yeah, we got we got some backlash. We got um, we were we were yeah <laughs> quite quite a bit in the news for for some decisions that we've made. Um, and of course, it is it is. Um, yeah, it is. It is that CEO challenge that you're then facing, um, and that you get confronted by by decisions, and that everyone wants to get clarity, transparency, and understand the why of your decisions. Um, I think there, yeah, it it really is about um, like making sure that the communication runs as smooth as properly. And that doesn't mean that we did everything correct. Just to say that upfront. Um, and um, yeah, to to. To be as, as authentic as possible. That's at least what I feel is is uh, uh, of, of biggest relevance, um, at least for me. Don't want to be an actor. Would want to tell people how I think, how I believe, and and why we do things 
as we do them. I think you've really hit the nail on the head there, right? Um, and it's really critical in this kind of situation is how you communicate and how you lead as the CEO and founder of the company, um, you know, despite the challenges and there isn't always going to be full clarity on the situation, giving like the best possible information and insight that you can at the time. Um, how did you and your other co-founder split kind of that um, role in terms of who said what to who? In general, um, Moritz and I split kind of um, bit of bit the stakeholders. Who is who's actually taking care of what? Uh, so Moritz, for example, is focusing a lot on our investors, making sure that those stakeholders are informed um, and and have everything they need um, to to collaborate with us. And while I'm focusing um, a lot on on our partners and uh, on, on, on the corporate sides. Members is something kind of the, the whole company is, of course, doing. Um, and we, we need to align, of course, on the messages together with our um, uh, uh, PR team led by Franca. That, so making sure that the messages um, are sent out, are consistent, um, do fit to, to our overall story. Um, and it, it is easy said, but actually managing this is very complicated, especially in those days, as, uh, as we were just referring to, when like things were happening so fast and uh, decision making was kind of, yeah, like you needed to make decisions so fast in, in, in one, one after another that it was really uh, a challenge to make sure that everyone in the company, in the, in the exact circle is still aligned and knows what to tell whom um, uh, to avoid rumors and um that sometimes works works out great, but um, yeah, as I said, uh, in, in those days, especially when we needed to pivot that much, um, not everything went went smoothly, and some communications certainly went out, for example, already while things that we mentioned were not 100% in place that moment in time. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's hard to avoid, isn't it? With the best intention and the best team in the world, it's always um, in those sort of crisis situations, there will always be someone left unhappy. Um, I mean, that's that's my experience 20 yeah. years in, in communications. You can never please yeah. everyone when things really hit the fan. Um, and, and yeah, often, um, you know, for some it's too slow, for some it's too fast, but I think as, as a CEO, you face those tough decisions one after the other. And uh, due to the best of your abilities and the information front of you and, and uh, trying to get through it. Absolutely. It is, you, you can expect that not everything will, will run smoothly and it's just part of the, part of the uh, daily life. And it's just about yeah, learning, making sure that, um, certain things will be avoided next time, um, and then, of course, it's also um, about being spontaneous and and then knowing how to deal with with some if if something does not go well or if, if a question comes up that you were not prepared for um, that you yeah still find a way to make the best out of it. Would you say that you've grown as a leader and as a communicator as a result of of the tough year twenty twenty? Yeah, I definitely believe so. Believe so. I think communication in that year 2020 was um like for me the biggest cha uh, challenge um of that year um because it like so much so much changed so like we we was we were we were used to especially like to basically celebrate every meeting a, a good story like a record here in member growth a, a record there in in new corporates that signed up um and suddenly um you are not celebrating uh i don't know revenue records but you you need to tell your team bad news every yeah, nearly every day but of, of course especially in in those all hands meetings 
and that was for me of course a big learning and uh, it was it was a different uh, different story now and uh, storytelling but also um yeah how, how to how to bring the message to to people without frustrating them or making them so disappointed that they kind of lose trust and faith in the company was um uh, was definitely a, a big challenge and helped me but very much to to grow also in in my communication style so if there are positive things about the pandemic, then certainly that I, that was growing over time. I think it's quite impressive to hear how resilient you have been and how adaptive the entire company has been given, you know, um, the difficulties of the pandemic. And this potentially is not going away anytime soon. Um, but do you think there is a road back to hypergrowth and success? Um, what's your what's your outlook for the future? Yes, well... First of all, um, yeah, thanks for saying that. We we are also like really proud about the resilience that our team has has proven in those days. So um, after the first lockdown, we were so fast back on track in terms of uh, members coming back. Um, like o- October 2020 was like um, the third, the, yeah, the third best month in terms of activities, sports activities of our members in in the urban sports history in Germany, for example. So that was quite quite amazing how people just were waiting for the end of lockdowns, the end of restrictions, and coming back, and how our team then enabled them to do so. Um, and that, of course, helped also our whole kind of image in, in the in the in the investor base, and make made them confident for the next lockdown. And um, we believe that actually our model and our approach um, is still and maybe even more than before kind of the right answer to the new health and sports trends and habits um, and interests that we that we see out there so people now will even more be interested in having the flexibility of choosing where to go um, when when the when the pandemic ends or when when restrictions really finally end because they will just see uh, whether the studio fits to their hygiene to their um, lifestyle needs or not, and then ju- just can go somewhere else if 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 they feel it's not not as secure as they would love to have it. So I think the flexibility part w- will will grow even further, and we will definitely benefit um, uh, from that. Um, yeah, creating this overarching membership. There's probably also a link between new work and your offer, right? That people who uh, sometimes work from home, sometimes from the office, sometimes in a cafe, uh, and, and sort of combine their workout with the place they spend their working time. Um, would probably prefer have different options rather than one gym to go to every day, right? Absolutely. I think that that is, I mean, talking about learnings, right? So also we as as, as, a, uh, as a company need to learn like that people will now work remotely, will work in different time zones. Something, of course, for larger corporates, um, th- th- those were probably already used to that, but now also, also smaller companies are facing that. And our sports offering, of course, fits very well into it so that people will find this, the right sports venues near home, near work, uh, but also can just do it from home, um, having the online offering. So that's why this kind of hybrid model that we see in in, um, in the daily work now is, is ex- exactly what we want to reproduce on, on the sports side, making sure that everyone finds the right sports activities, uh, independent of time zone, location, and, and and mood. On a slightly different tangent, I'm curious, what has been like the most surprising sport or class that you've seen become really popular or successful, something that you wouldn't have thought would actually be so? <laughs> um, 
what I was really surprised about, for example, was that there is a huge demand for doing pole dance from home. <laughs> so actually, we got a lot of complaints when our pole dance offering um, online based w was still small. And we were, yeah, true. We were not really pushing to get more partners uh, offering um, pole dance classes uh, from home because we actually just didn't expect that people have the possibilities of joining those classes from home but um, there are more people than you think uh, who are interested in that and um, we we were adding a, a, quite a few partners um, to make sure that um, that uh, our offering uh, fits to the demand um, i honestly have not participated in one of those classes yet because i'm just uh, lacking that poll <laughs> yeah but that was definitely one of the surprises i saw um when, with the, with the new online offering come back to the topic of communications so the narrative about the company changes the business model has to adapt becoming more hybrid what does that mean for your communications in 2021 do you want to focus uh, on traditional media more on digital uh do you see yourself writing a book or launching a podcast or what, are, what are the tools and channels and approaches you're looking at for the next 12 months well we actually um looked a lot into well fits probably these days as well into videos um because we want to make sure that people understand what we actually mean when we talk about a hybrid sports offer um so um we try to um use uh, yeah instagram facebook all those networks as much as possible and and um um, use video content to uh, help people understand the flexibility of the offer, like doing sports from home, doing it outside, doing it near workplace, doing it near home, like making sure that people understand the story and can feel how it probably is to have such a flexible offer. So that's 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 a key element for us. Um, and in addition, we created a campaign such as Safe Sports Club, where we really want to tell the people that we also believe it is not about just going to the studios. It's also about um, taking care of yourself, making sure that hygiene standards are fit. Um, and um, yeah, that you all do this in a self and in a, in a safe environment uh, and always independent of a pandemic, independent of the situation, make sure that you're taking care of yourself. And the videos, are they you, you talking to camera and then they were published on social media or how, how, how does that work or will that work? No, it's less, it's less about me, um, like, like speaking, speaking to the public. It's, uh, it's rather about, um, showing experiences. So, um, also as, as mentioned maybe earlier, like with, with the help of our employees, right. Um, but also, um, of course with professional actors showing them while, while being active at studios, but also while being active from home. Um, to give people that that kind of understanding that this could be me um, doing doing such a, a flexible sports offer. Uh, before we wrap up the interview, did you have a final piece of communications advice you could share with us? What I learned about, especially over the year of 2020, is um, like prepare as much as you can. Um, we, for example, I, in, in 2019, I, I was not in, in the phase that I would write down the storyline, would then the sh share the storyline with my exact circle to get further input, um, make sure that everyone is aligned. So that's something for the most important measures, um, uh, messages that I've, that I've learned and that I feel really is helpful to have it written down to even uh, walk better in the shoes of others to, to understand what, what people will think and if, if they hear the story. Well, I know it not, it's not always the case for a CEO to be able to prepare messages. Um, so sometimes you just need to act uh, spontaneously. And there I feel being really authentic, being, being, being open and, and being a bit also kind of personal 
like showing that that you're not a machine that that you also be affected of of things that happen out there um is relevant and and brings the message way better across um than kind of just stating more general broad messages that people can't relate to. As a follow-up question, what's your take on vulnerability? Because it's a kind of a double-edged sword for someone like you. Well, on the one end, you, you want to show that this is affecting you as well and this is quite hard to get through. On the other end, you know, to be fair, other people are struggling more. You know, if, if, you, if you're a small yoga studio, for instance, or you've been put on furlough, someone in your team, how do you, how do you manage that conflict? It's actually part of our values um, that we say, hey, embrace vulnerability. So that it's, it's, we, we want to um, uh, in, um, yeah, motivate also our, our members and, uh, no, sorry, our employees to like really speak up um, if things don't go right and, and if they feel that they can't cope maybe with a certain challenge and also talk about failures but i need to say it's 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 also a challenge to do so um it's i think it's in the human nature that uh, sometimes to to hide uh, that part or not to talk about those more uncomfortable um uh, pieces of li in the life uh, so we we try to incorporate it also in, into our communications and um When I was, for example, talking to those uh, yoga studios and that initiative that came up, um, I was I was uh, making sure that we had the chance to speak in person, and um, I also really understood their problems, um, and and uh, also was very open about um, topics that certainly didn't go right and, and well on our side. Um, so I and I think that that that's how it starts, and that's where where relationships actually get stronger in the end. Um, if you show that you're not always um, just be able to, to just do the best, that, that you also have your failures, that you also do some mistakes and that you want to make sure that everyone um, gets stronger out of it and, and learns from it. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an important part, but it's a challenging one. And um, sometimes people, and including me, forget that it's worthwhile mentioning again um, that something maybe didn't didn't go right or that you're vulnerable in, in, in certain parts. Definitely great advice. Thanks so much for chatting with us today. Super insightful. Yeah, thank you, Benjamin. Also for coming on when, uh, you know, just past a very tough year, not just talk about hyper growth and, and the successes you had, but also the very tricky period in 2020. So all the best for 2021 for you and the whole team and uh, everyone who works with you. So thank you and thank you for listening. Thank you, Lena. Thank you, Oliver, for having me here. Loads of insights. What do you think? Connect with Oliver Austin and Carlson on LinkedIn to share your feedback.